I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. How did you become Adam Schefter, the guy who breaks news before it happens? Well, I don't think about it like that. What I do think about is just trying to do my job every day and to do it as hard as I can and to treat people fairly. And I think anybody who's been in any industry for 31 years, if I wasn't making inroads and getting to know people, then I wouldn't be doing my job right. Which NFL player would you say most resembles my game? The first guy that popped into my mind would be Chris Godwin, because Mike Evans is Damian Lillard. You're Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin is fast, quick, elusive. The sport grows in popularity, it feels like, every year. As maxed out as it may be here in this country, the league sees other opportunities to grow it overseas, so you're going to see it be growing internationally. The gambling element, the fantasy element, continues to rise every single year. Think about all that happening and the way that gambling and fancy is changing the industry, social media changing the industry. Welcome to episode number 121. That's right, you're listening to The Pull Up Pod. And on this date, September 16th in 1934, 11-time NBA All-Star Elgin Baylor was born. Elgin is a legend in his own right. And on this date in 2020, LeBron James was named to All-NBA team for the 16th time in his career, passing the legendary Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Tim Duncan, and Kobe Bryant for most All-NBA selections in the history. What's up, everyone, especially my Portland people? What's been happening? I am currently back in Portland, Oregon, uh, working out with the team. We have a bunch of our staff here in town, all the staff. All the players are here, and uh, we're doing what they call the voluntary workouts, uh, where you basically do a breakdown. Um, You get what you need in the morning, so 30 minutes to an hour on the court, if that's what you need, or 30 minutes to an hour in the weight room. Maybe you're getting PT work, you're on the tables, whatever the case may be. Me personally, I get 30 to 40 minutes on the court. I get stretching in first, obviously. Um, Some ankle maintenance, some hip mobility stuff, movement stuff, foam rolling. I got this trigger point ball that I use on a day-to-day basis to kind of free up some stuff. Tom Brady talks about fascia and the tissue a lot and the importance of the fluidity in that and how that helps you from a hydration standpoint and allows the water to move through your muscles. So I'm big on that. I do my 30 to 45 minutes on the court working on specific skill stuff. And then we have a breakdown as a team. We do 30 minutes in the weight room, split us up in half, and we do 30 minutes on the court where we're working on stuff, um, offensive stuff, defensive stuff, just getting a better understanding of how we want to approach the season. And we're playing, getting up and down fives, um, hooping, just just hooping. And it's funny because today was my first time playing fives all summer. I kind of took a break from contact to really work on my body, to really work on my game and development. And uh, it was nice to get out there and run with some of my guys. And just want to go on the record saying my team went 4-0. and And I sat it down um, as I should because I'm a real winner. <laughs> the, team, the team is really excited about the season. We got a lot of new, fresh faces. Uh, Norm is back. Everybody is back. And Happy Nurk is back in the building. And Dame is obviously here. And it's just nice to 
to get back to your normal routine of hooping, you know, taking care of your body, making jokes with your friends, uh, working out, and eventually we'll be traveling together and uh, getting ready for the upcoming season. So uh, I'm really excited about what's in store for us. I'm really excited about my game and where I'm at and how I'm going to bring that kind of together uh, for the rest of our team. Update, I am going to be a father. I'm excited about that. Um, wifey is due uh, in January. So we'll be having a baby. Look at her. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, my brother had a baby already. His son is over one years old. His first birthday was August 5th, and he had his first birthday party August 7th. So I've been able to get the lay of the land. It's August 4th. No, it's the 5th. No, it's the 5th. Okay, it's the 4th. And the party was August 7th. And I've been, getting, been able to get a lay of the land on what it's like to be a father, the things you should kind of look for, the stress, obviously, the lack of sleep, all those things, but the joy that having your own kid brings you. It's probably the, the greatest joy or the greatest part of, of most people's lives and will be probably the greatest uh, part of my life going forward and something I'm looking forward to from a family standpoint. So I think I'm most excited for being able to, you know, have a, a little creature, a little human that you took part in creating and being able to kind of mold and kind of help show the ropes and kind of share things with them and empower them and encourage them and educate them on life and being able to pass them down things that um, um, you were able to kind of sustain and build upon from a legacy standpoint, I think is what I'm most looking forward to. And just seeing how they turn out, you know, you, you spend all that time trying to develop them and trying to help them. And then you just kind of sit back and watch your finished product, so to speak. So I, I think that's what I'm most looking forward to. And then obviously putting the Brown jersey on them, putting the Blazer jersey on them and, and they're taking what they call family portraits and sending them out to people, which will be hilarious uh, to do. Another update. Just bought land for a vineyard. Bullshit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I actually did. Uh, my wife and I, we bought um, 318 acres. Let me, let me count this up. Yeah, 318 acres uh, in the Yamhill Carlton AVA. We're, we're really excited about this opportunity. And it's funny because over a year ago, we announced the release of McCollum Heritage 91, the label. And for us, it was just more about Building something sustainable that will last forever, something we can pass down to our children, something we can be proud of from a legacy standpoint, and something we can build, um, and something that contributes to our empire. Because at the end of the day, we're trying to build an empire, and we're trying to empower people and show people that there's so many different avenues you can take. And with this being a business that's historically not been very friendly and accepting, we're trying to make wine more acceptable, more approachable, and more diverse. Because to be quite frank, it's it's obvious that wine is not very diverse and it can be intimidating when you try to read through a wine menu, when you try to order the psalm comes up and nine times out of 10, if you come from the neighborhoods that I came from, the psalm doesn't look like you, doesn't talk like you, and it's hard to kind of relate. So we're trying to change the game and make this more diverse. And I'm really looking forward to building a brand and expanding and doing so many great things here in Portland, because this will be one of our homes uh, for the foreseeable future. Before we welcome my good friend, Adam Schefter, Onto the pull-up pod. I want to talk about the NBA for a bit. The Rockets and John Wall are currently working on a trade. It, it became public knowledge about two days ago. They're going to be moving forward with Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green and their starting backcourt. Two young talents uh, who have huge, huge potential and upside. John Wall, one of my favorite players uh, to watch in the NBA, um, is due $91.7 million over the next two seasons, including a player option for $47.4 million. Needless to say, he should be opting in because that's a lot of cheese. Um, 
It's going to be hard for him to find a trade partner. He may have to forfeit some money. I never suggest people giving up money, but happiness is really important. If you're going to be looking for a buyout or a trade, they have to make the numbers work. But I think there are a lot of potential destinations for John, a fast point guard who can obviously pass. He can lead the break. He can finish around the basket and power his teammates and looked pretty good while he played for the Rockets until they shut him down to kind of tank. Uh, Well, they shut him down to allow the young players to play in hopes of getting a higher draft pick. So it it all kind of worked out in their favor. I think there's rumors about Miami. There's rumors about um, maybe the Lakers, uh, the Clippers. The Clippers uh, haven't let Patrick Beverly go. There's rumors about them and and some other teams across the league. I think it may make sense for him to go to L.A. He's training out in L.A. right now, uh, working out uh, with Chris Johnson. Uh, I think he enjoys the life, and he probably wants to go to a situation where he can compete for a championship. And I think the Clippers are one of those teams that gives him a chance. The Miami Heat are one of those teams that gives him a chance, and I think he'll consider all options. I think he brings a veteran point guard who can play a role, can go out and get you 25 and 10 if he needs to, uh, can make plays off the bounce, has a nice pull-up jumper, a little hezzy pull-up, and is still a blur in transition. So I'm looking forward to seeing you know where he ends up and, and always wish nothing but the best uh, to all my brothers across the league. Aaron Gordon. Don't really like talking about the Nuggets because they beat us in the playoffs, but under these circumstances, it's only right that I do. He agreed to a four-year, $92 million extension. Get your cheese. And today is his 26th birthday, so not a bad gift. I wonder if they waited on the timing uh, to make sure it was his birthday before he finalized the deal. In any event, uh, drinks are on him, food's on him, everything's on him. Uh, congratulations. The Magic made a trade in March that was centered around Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and a 2025 first-round pick. He averaged 12.4 points per game, 5.7 rebounds, and 3.2 assists in 25 games last season. He was a big reason why uh, the Nuggets beat us last year in the playoffs with his versatility. He hit some big shots. He finished around the basket and was also a good defender for them and, and allowed you know the Joker and others to kind of take breaks because he can initiate the offense. Um, They'll have a big four next season with the Joker, obviously Jamal when he comes back, Gordon, and MPJ. The Nuggets are going to be in a very, very interesting situation. They just paid Will Barton. Michael Porter Jr. is going to be set to get paid here shortly. They're going to be spending a lot of money, but they got a lot of talent um, that they should take advantage of. I like Gordon a lot. I like his game. I know his brother uh, plays in Europe as well. He's played against my brother. And their story is great you know, in terms of the work ethic. I think his family is still here in, or- here in Oregon. He's a a player who can do many different things. He's like a Swiss army knife. You can plug him in at any position. He can play one through five. He can guard one through five. He can lead the break. He can hit corner threes. Obviously, he's explosive. Um, He can dunk, finish around the basket. And he's a point forward, which is what you need in this game. You need like-sized, like-minded players who have a a high basketball IQ. And I think he checks all those boxes. So... Shout out to AG and congrats on the Nuggets for securing a very, very versatile player. The Hall of Fame class of 2021 happened. There were 16 people inducted and it's the biggest class ever. And the names included Paul Pierce, Chris Bosh, Chris Weber, Ben Wallace, longtime coach Rick Adelman, Bill Russell as a coach because he's probably already gone in as a player, three-time WNBA MVP Lauren Jackson, and Villanova coach Jay Wright. 
I'm really excited to see Paul Pierce uh, in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, Chris Bosh's situation was unique. Um, he ended up having a blood clot, and that kind of derailed his career. But for him to still make the Hall of Fame kind of shows you how great he truly was while he played uh, as a member of the Heat uh, Big Three and his career in Toronto. Uh, was was brilliant. You know, he he hit big shots. He was the man. He got to kind of showcase his true game, and then he kind of uh, assumed a role for the Heat to where he just kind of played his part and did what it took to to win a championship. But I'm happy for him. Chris Webber, uh, obviously, finally getting into the Hall of Fame, and Ben Wallace, an undrafted player, goes into the Hall of Fame. I think that's a really cool story because a lot of players and and people get caught up on where you're drafted, but it's not about where you where you get drafted. It's about what you do after you get to the league in any circumstance. And I think Ben talked about it. When you get to the door, you got to do what it takes to stay, whether that's little things like rebounding, defending, being a good teammate, and things of that nature. So I thought that was really cool to see. And for Paul Pierce, I just loved it because he shot a lot of step backs. He hit big shots. He had a controversial exit with ESPN. And I just wanted to see what he was going to say in his speech. And I thought it was just really cool that he was authentic. Um, He told genuine heartfelt stories and he also talked about all the teams that had picks before him that didn't take him and I love the fact that he called them out on that during his Hall of Fame moment I think that's really cool because we all have a chip and we all carry certain slights a certain way and for him to they kind of see life come full circle being able to get his jersey retired with the Celtics and then being able to to enter the hall just kind of shows you that he did exactly what he needed to do to to get the best out of his talent for a guy coming out of I think he came out of Inglewood, California. So, shout out to all the the players inducted into the Hall of Fame. Extremely happy for you all. You you truly deserve it. Um, to be there, it, it immortalizes you and allows you to kind of have a story that's told over and over again from a legacy standpoint forever. So congrats to all of those people. And without further ado, when we come up next, I want to welcome a very, very special friend, special guest, guy who helps me with my fantasy team on the low. And I still figure out ways to, to botch it and not finish first. We will be having the one and only Adam Schefter on for a great, great conversation. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. time for us to welcome a very, very special guest making his second appearance on the Pull Up Pod, senior NFL insider. Unfortunately, he's a Michigan grad. (laughs) (laughs) He began his career as an editor for the Michigan Daily. He worked as a writer for the Denver Post before becoming insider for ESPN in 2009. But before that, we're going to take it back. He was a freelance reporter for the Chicago Tribune. Didn't know that. He Seattle Post Intelligencer? Yeah, out of business now. Yeah. Out of business. Moves to Denver in 1990. I was born in 91 for, for like a reference point. Guess. Started writing for the Rocky Mountain News in September of 1990. Uh, one out of year, business. Out, out of, of business. You notice the trend here? Like all of these newspapers out of business, CJ? You're getting, you're getting out of there just in time. And then you go to the Denver Post in 96 before joining the NFL Network in 2004. If you haven't guessed the special guy, it's Adam Schefter. Appreciate you joining the Pull Up Pot. 
CJ, it is an honor to be with you. And I know all about your journalism background at Lehigh University. So I defer to you and you show me how it's done right now. No, you're the legend. You're the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, you had a cameo in, in Longest Yard. You break the news before it happens. How does it feel, before we get started, how does it feel to be the guy who everyone goes to you know, for news? How did you get into this point? We talked about your journey, how you work for all these newspaper outlets that are no longer here, how the internet has kind of evolved uh, from a social media standpoint. How did you become Adam Schefter, the guy who breaks news before it happens? Well, I don't think about it like that. What I do think about is just trying to do my job every day and to do it as hard as I can and to treat people fairly. And I think, look, anybody who's been in any industry for 31 years, you talked about being born in 1991. I've been in the newspaper business since 1990. So if I wasn't making inroads and getting to know people over a period of time like that, then I wouldn't be doing my job right. Right. So I'd be doing something wrong. So I think part of it is being in this business 31 years. Part of it is being covering the NFL, which is enormously popular, working for a company like ESPN, which has got a huge platform. And let's also be honest, people love fancy football. You love it, CJ. I love it. We all love it. And so people want to know information. So I don't think about it as, hey, they're coming to me for news. I look at it as my job to come up with as much relevant, pertinent information as I can and let people consume that however they want. Now, along the way, of course, the industry's changed. It's evolved. We've seen the introduction of social media. ESPN hired me in April of 2009. When ESPN hired me, I did not even have a Twitter account yet. So think about that. Like It's amazing to think about that, that they hired me before I was even on social media. That's crazy to think about. And it's it's also fun to kind of see how information has evolved, how technology has evolved, how our sports have evolved. Well, you know what, CJ? There's one constant through and through. And whether it's what you guys do or what a coach who coaches you does, or whether it's someone in the financial industry, information is power. Information is valued and appreciated. And people who have information in whatever field they're working in, whatever line of work it is, people want to know what they're thinking. I agree. And to pivot off that, before I get into the questions in terms of inspiration, um, influences in the industry, things of that nature, I got to get right to my Browns because I always get right to my Browns. Yeah. We look very good. I'm excited. I think that we've built a great roster. Stefanski is a brilliant mind. He's, he's willing to take chances. He's willing to empower our players. Discipline is there, ground and pound, setting up the, the run with the pass, setting up the pass with the run. We were missing a certain somebody uh, last week. Would you happen and missing to know, him again this week? And missing him again this week. Would you happen to know when he may return to the roster? I honestly did not expect him to play this week because of the fact that it's the Houston Texans. And he is a guy that I think has got to be close to 100% before he's ready. They're going to be smart with him. He went out last week, didn't feel great in pregame warmups. We're talking, of course, about Odell Beckham Jr., the wide receiver, right? Right. And didn't play last week. And they've already announced that he's not going to play this week against Houston. Look, they should be able to take care of business without him. And I would think after that, who do they play in week three, CJ? You're a Browns fan. Chicago Bears. I'll be there. Uh, It's the 26th. It's a Sunday. Fields will probably be starting around then too, right? You know, they're not in any rush to put him out there as much as the Bears fans want him out there. That's the kind of thing that could happen at any point in time. But if you follow what they say and listen to what they're saying. 
They, they want to be as patient as they can with him, right? Like that's that's the goal. And so I don't know that you'll see Justin. You'll see Justin Fields on the field. I just don't know that you'll see him starting them. I don't know. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that game. I'm looking forward to seeing my Browns this year. I talked to, to Travis Kelsey, one of my guys from Ohio. They know he's a great, he's a great guy, right? Very, very good dude. One of the best tight ends. May go down as the best tight end ever. Uh, he's going to break every record that 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 ever existed with that offense. Well, you know what? But the only thing I would say to that, and I wouldn't disagree, but if if the Raiders keep throwing the football to Darren Waller <laughs> the way they did Monday night, he may have records by the end of the season. That's he's true. getting 19 targets a game. 19, 20 targets. He's a fantasy dream. He he. They reached and got him out of our league and. Uh, I put together a pretty quality roster in our in our high rollers uh, buy-in fantasy. I got I'm in a two leagues. I'm in a thousand dollar buy-in league and a hundred dollar buy-in league. Naturally, my thousand dollar buy-in league isn't as good as my hundred dollar roster, but that's Ooh. life. Who's in that thousand dollar league? Travis is in that. No, no, Travis. Is no, that Travis league. can't play. So in yeah. in our high rollers league, we got Julius Randle. Huh. Um. Let me look at it. We got uh PFT is in it. Uh, for those that don't know, he's the the sports commentator, <laughs> PFT, really, in the high rollers league. Wow. Yeah, he's in the high rollers league. Uh, my guy Jordan Schultz is in it. Kyle Fall, Grant Williams, my big brother Eric McCullum, my guy Barbara Tay, Joe Milner, Nick. Oh, I forgot Jerry. Jerry's in it. Jerry from Power. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. So it's a it's a solid league. It's a very solid league. And I'm, how do you know? Tra- do you know Travis? Just Ohio connection, or is that like a Patrickoff connection? Are you with Patrickoff? What is I, that? I do do some work with Patrickoff, and I notice you do too. But yep. tra- Travis and I met through a mutual friend. Both of us, both of us being from Ohio, we actually played his high school team. Uh, I think it was at, at Heights at the time. And Mason Plumley introduced us on vacation in the Bahamas some years ago for All Star break, and we ended up going to a private island together. Very good dude. That's my. I'm gonna take good care of. I've never met Mason, but I heard he's a very smart, very savvy businessman. Yeah, Mason, Mason and I are in, together in some ventures together. Ooh, um, ooh. We, dude, life is good. I will just say life is, is very, very good. And I know we're getting off topic because we like to ramble, but I think yeah. that's the best that's the best part of podcasts is just being able to have conversations covering so many different things. To just riff and wherever it goes, it goes, right? Exactly. Let's get back to what you do for a living on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, you break news, you break stories. What do you think is the biggest story you've ever broken? That's a tough one. It'll be the next one that I get, whatever it is. That's, that's I like the, the right mentality. answer. I like it's, the mentality. Because really, it doesn't really matter any stories that, that look at 31 years is a lot of years. Right. And I've been fortunate to remember those stories. And I can tell you this, just like coaches and players probably remember specific plays of games that were important or significant, you can recall the details of every big story that you were involved in ever. Like I can tell you where I was, what happened with every single significant story that I've ever been fortunate enough to be a part of. So I I would never say, boy, this was the story. Boy, that's my biggest story. No, I I would never do that because the next one will be be big. And the NFL, the truth of the matter is there's big stories in the NFL every day. And there'll be more tomorrow and there'll be more next week and next month. And so the second I start thinking, boy, that story I got last week or last month or last year, I'm set that I'm not. So you just got to keep grinding away. No, that's, a, that's a great answer. And I think that's similar to, to my lifestyle. People ask me like best basketball moment or biggest shot or what you're most proud it's coming. of. It's coming. It's, it's coming. Like, it is coming. But you always remember the start. I will say that like 
the first time you get in the game or like the first story you break or the first article you write is yes. like, you remember that one. The ones in between are like great and it's like a part of your process, but you're so caught up in the work that you just move on to the next thing. What's your career high point total in the game, CJ? What are, what, 40? What do we got? In the NBA game, 50. Yeah. 50? You had 50? When? 50 and three quarters um, against the Bulls, 2000. Man, I'm getting... 2000. Well, well, let me ask you a question. So when, 18, when, when, you go for fi- when you go for 50 against the Bulls in 2018, do you feel it right away? You're like, man, I know that that rim looks like it's shooting into the ocean. It's funny because that night it was a back-to-back. We landed late. So you talk about landing, you know. It was a back-to-back. Second game of a back-to-back. Landed at 1.30. Wow. Got home at like 2.20. Go, go to sleep at 3.30. Tired. I had one meal before the game. I slept in. I had brunch. Got to the arena early, and I was just tired and sluggish. It was one of those games where you're like, let's just get moving and see what happens. And make a shot, back door, get a layup, hit a step back. And I'm like, I kind of feel good. You know what I mean? Next thing you know, I got like 20-something in the first quarter. And then the adrenaline starts pumping, right? And then you forget you're tired, and then you go on and do what you did. You're right. And then somebody's like, you won't go get 50. And you're like... I think I might. I think I might. I think I might go wow. do it tonight. And that's how it kind of awesome. happens. That's it's, awesome. Yeah, it's it's so weird how those things happen. And you, you never know. When you wake up, you never know what's going to happen. You might feel great and have a terrible performance. You might feel terrible and have a great performance. It's just about the, the flow of the game and then how you kind of lock in. And, and that, that, that's an example of how hard it is to predict things, like especially from a fantasy perspective. Like I have people ask me all the time. You know, who do I start? I, I hate telling people who you should start because, you know, you could feel like CJ McCollum and not feel good going to the arena and then go for 50. Or you could feel great and then get foul trouble. And I've had coaches say to me, hey, you got to see this guy. He's in the game plan big. And then they throw it in the first pass. He drops it. They never throw it him again. He tweaks <laughs> a ham. Like I always say, the more you know, the less you know. Now that goes against what I'm talking about with information is power, but not in fantasy. A lot of times, the more you know, the less you know. Like, I knew that the Niners loved Raheem Mostert this year. Lit it up in camp, was going to be their big back. I drafted him in every draft. He didn't even make it out of one quarter in the opening week. So what, what, what good was what I knew? Well, you know, it helped that I also had Elijah Mitchell on their radar. But still, <laughs> but still, I was expecting a huge year from Raheem Mostert because the people around that organization were expecting a huge year from him. Yeah, and I tried to pick up Elijah Mitchell on waiver, so I'm gonna check today. Hopefully, I was. But if able you would listen to me, you would have had him on your team to begin with, CJ. I know, but once I had my roster set, I was on vacation, get ready for Dame's wedding, and I had to leave, and it was auto pick, and they didn't pick him. So, <laughs> okay, well there you rookie, go. Huh? Rookie mistake. You talked about relationships, the importance of that. Obviously, information is power. Um, I guess my question is two parts. How are you able to maintain strong relationships with so many people around the NFL? And how important do you think it is uh, to have relationships in this business? Critically important because you're only as good as the people who help you. And I can't tell you how often I am thankful and appreciative, not just because somebody called me on a story to let me know, hey, this is going down, or you should be aware of this, or pay attention to that. It means a lot more to me that that person thought of me than it does to get any story. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I don't care what it is. When this person, whoever it is, calls me and thinks of me, I'm flattered, honored, and touched that they would think to think of me at a time like that. I mean, it just, to me, it's, it's the kind of thing that I really feel very warm by. By the way, the 49ers just 
claimed Trenton Cannon. Speaking of of uh, of roster moves in the 49ers, they just tra- claimed Tre- Trenton Cannon on waivers, which isn't exactly the biggest move we've ever seen, but it is notable nonetheless. I'll let you get your tweet in. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's okay. We can do that right now. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, bang. Perfect. Perfect. I, I definitely agree about relationships. That's one of the things I value most about sport, right? You build all of these partnerships, relationships, friendships that last so much yeah. longer than the sport in itself. And for me as a player who has a journalism background, right? I went to school, you know, Lehigh University, interned. Yep. I really appreciate journalists because I know how hard you work because I had to do it. But CJ, that's the case in any line of work. That's the whole thing. Some of the best doctors are the ones that have the best bedside disposition and deal with their clients that they're operating on in a close way. People in the financial industry are talking to people and finding out information. I mean, you could just talk about any person in any line of work. That's what I've come to realize. It's about relationships and how you treat people and doing the right thing. If you're not honest with somebody, if you don't listen to what they say, if you go against their word, if you screw them over, they're not coming back to you again. So to me, I don't care what story it is. I'd rather get beat on any story than violate somebody and their wishes. Now, there are times that they understand how this works. Somebody gets arrested. They don't want it out there. It's good. Hey, you do something that is wrong, illegal, unethical. It's, it's going to get out there. I'm sorry. Like, that's still my job. But I think people understand that as long as you're fair about it, they can't complain about it. And so I just, I've always thought, I've always tried to deal people the right way. And like I said, I've done this for 31 years. So I started covering the Denver Broncos back in 1990. A lot of the people that I covered then who were in that locker room went out to do different things in different cities. And all of a sudden your relationships grow. And, you know, as an example, John Elway, right? I used to cover him as a player and, and I'd see John Elway and I said, oh my God, like John Elway, John Elway, he, you're, you're a young kid. You're a little bit unnerved by that whole thing. And, and I've known John now for 31 years. I have a picture that we took together. I accidentally bumped into him. The Lions were playing the, or the Broncos were playing the Rams in a preseason game in like 1986. I happened to be passing through London on the way back that summer from another trip. I saw John Elway on the street and I, I'm like, oh my God, Mr. Elway, can we take a picture? I took a picture. I showed it to him one day, like from 1986. So that would have been 14, 35 years ago. I'm taking a picture with John Elway. It's a lot of time. And now I've seen him grow into a grandfather. He's got seven grandkids, seven grandkids. And I knew this guy when he was playing quarterback, the Broncos and building his own little family. So you see people through time and that's not anything I've done. It's just being in the same spot for 31 years doing this damn job. Right. And you've been doing it damn well. You've been doing it very, very, very well. And you you discussed it. Been in the business for 31 years. I'll be 30 in about four or five days. So shout out to all my Virgos Virgos out there. How has the NFL changed? You came in in 90, 91. You've been watching it since the 80s. And where do you see it going in the next 10 to 20 years? A a few things. First of all, there are a lot of changes. The, The sport grows in popularity, it feels like every year. And as maxed out as it may be here in this country, the league sees other opportunities to grow it overseas. So you're going to see it be growing internationally. The gambling element, the fantasy element continues to rise every single year to where now we're seeing teams form partnerships with casinos and fantasy sites. Whereas 
five or so years ago, the league wouldn't even allow Tony Romo to have a fancy football convention in Las Vegas. Now there's a team in Las Vegas. I mean, think about all that happening and the way that gambling and fancy is changing the industry, social media changing the industry, players having their own platforms to do their podcasts, to talk about whatever they want. If you are unhappy in Portland or you want to stay there the rest of your career, or you want to, you could voice that opinion your own way. Doesn't have to be through a newspaper. There's another change in the industry. But at its core, many of the things are still the same. It still is the fundamentals. It still is about relationships. It still is about a sport, a game, camaraderie that's built in the locker room. The things that have existed through time are still there. It's just there's a lot more attention on it. It's a bigger business than it was ever before. There are more outside elements that influence it and watch it and observe it. So uh, I would say those are some of the changes that have occurred, CJ. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think looking at the sport, at the end of the day, football is football. But I think people are starting to understand how much money can be generated when you, oh when you, when you tax in the gambling, when you tax in the new TV deals, when you start giving players more likeness opportunities to show their creativity, shoes, celebrations in the end zone. Like this thing is going to be it is more than what we could have imagined. It already is. It's true. It's, it's insane. Back to Baker. And then I'll get in a couple more questions, then oh, I'll let you go. You the Browns, huh? Back to Baker and the Browns. Baker didn't sign his extension this summer. An extension you is looming. A, you, got a, you got a cell phone number, right? I got a cell phone number, but I'm asking you. I'm asking you. Baker, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is my We're negotiating his deal. At what point do you think one of them gets the extension? Do you think they're waiting on each other to kind of see the market? I, I don't think that. I think that there are different types of quarterbacks at different stages of their career with different franchises. And I think that they do the deal when it's right it's a from a answer. player and a team standpoint. It's a beautiful and answer. Lamar, Lamar is in a situation where he's his own agent. And so, whereas if he had an agent, maybe the deal would be done by now. He's not doing that. Now, honestly, the way he plays, I, I would have been uncomfortable from a business standpoint, stepping on the football field, not having a deal done. That, that's me, right? Like Dak didn't get a deal done, broke his ankle. But Dak is a little bit of a different quarterback than Lamar. And so, uh, you know, Lamar doesn't have an agent. He's got to do it. It, it would, you know, that, that would make me a little bit of nervous, you know, to be out on the field the way he is. Baker can get hurt. You don't want him to get hurt. You want him to be healthy. But the style of play that he has, quarterbacks don't suffer the type of injuries that derail their careers largely. It's just, it's so rare. Alex Smith came back and, and, and he almost lost his leg in his life. So if I'm Baker, I'm betting on myself. I got no problem. If I'm Lamar, me, I'm getting the deal done. I just say, you know, going to the front office, look, uh, I want to get this done. That, that's me. But look, Lamar, I will also say in football, whether you're Lamar or Baker, the further you get into your contract, the closer you get to becoming a free agent, the more you're going to make. Look what Kirk Cousins did. Look what Dak Prescott did. You know, and I don't know why more quarterbacks don't force the issue and play towards the end of their contract because a lot of times there's a lot of money at stake. Like Josh Allen, I, I think that there were people who thought maybe he should play it out. And if he had played it out, maybe he would have got more. But then you got to go play this year with the idea that, hey, I just turned down $100 million guaranteed money. Right. To, what, to, to go make 120 Why you do that? That doesn't make sense either. Like That's crazy. 
Yeah. Bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. And I think absolutely, I always go for guaranteed money and your neighborhood's not going to change 100, 105, 110. It's all yeah, the same. Yeah, and that's your taxes. What are we talking about? Yeah. So we'll, I, we'll get it done. I agree, especially when you play the type of style where you're running, you're mobile, a lot of blindside tackles are coming. You got to be in the pocket. It's a big risk, but I always say, and you're going to bet on yourself. Better go. You better go put up real numbers and help your team win. But don't let pride and ego stand in the way of a sound business decision either. Yes, you may think that you're worth 120 guaranteed and a team's offering 100 guaranteed. But when you step back and think about it, what are we really talking about? I, I completely agree. For the sake of time, I'm not going to keep you too much longer. I got two to three more questions. First question. Hey, what do you got, CJ? Yep. First question is... In terms of time management, right? We're all busy people. We have families. Uh, we care about our careers. We care about our families. We care about balancing that and being great at both. How do you balance having to break news? The joke, the running joke is that you're on your phone so often in ESPN, no one's able to see your eyes. <laughs> How do you balance breaking news and, and being a family man? Being on TV is not my job. My job is to report information. So when I'm on TV and information's coming in, that TV spot is just happens to be the office that I'm doing my job, which is gathering and reporting information. So I don't really care where I'm at. I don't care if I'm not looking into the camera that I'm looking down because information's flowing in. I don't really care. Like my job is to get the information more than it is anything. The balancing act of um, being, trying to be a great father and husband, all those things, you know, I, I would say my wife's biggest issue with me is not always being present. Right. And and I don't think that that is exclusive to me. I think that that's probably true of any person in any line of work that's conscientious, committed, and considerate. Like you care about your job and doing it the right way, and so it, it, it's it's always on your mind. Like I'll bet you that you're thinking about basketball all the time, even when you're not playing. You're wondering, you know, what could I be doing better here? Or what? What about this opponent coming up? What am I going to do to slow that guy down? What can I do to exploit his weaknesses? So it's always on your mind. So you know, my wife gets me. You're present, but you're not always present. Yeah, well, that, that's that's true. I'm guilty. You know, I'm guilty of that, and I feel bad about that. But um, that's just how my brain is wired, and I don't think it's exclusive to me by any stretch of the imagination. I think any person, any man, woman in any line of work that has any sort of demanding job with a lot of responsibility to it is is constantly thinking about their job, which takes away some of the mental energy and focus. You know, I was talking with somebody today about that, uh, former NFL general manager, and we we're talking about ways to be better as people. And he said, I could be more present with my family. And I said, well, I could be more present with my family. Absolutely. And when he said it and I said it, it, it just made me think, I, I guarantee that's everybody. It is. The most successful people have to try to, to balance it. It's it's the balance of, sometimes I just set my phone down and try to give myself an hour. Like, all right, let's just lock in, enjoy this lunch, enjoy this dinner, or take this walk. And then it's hard. Yeah. It's very With the, hard. The phone for anybody, right? Like it's just, my mind's always thinking it. And by the way, like it, sometimes maybe I'm thinking, well, should I make that waiver claim in football? Who am I drafting my fancy <laughs> basketball draft? You know, like, honestly, like I'm just being right. honest, like that kind of stuff stays in my mind. You're thinking about, so your mind's always thinking, I wake up two in the morning and, and there's something on my mind. So I, I, I'm not even present sleeping. 
all the time. You know, like I'm thinking of something else. It's nothing personal against my wife or daughter or son. Like sometimes I'm sleeping, I wake up and something's on my mind right away. So it's, it's always, your mind's always just going, going, going. No, it's, it's, it's completely true. And I appreciate you sharing that because I think for, as a successful person who has to kind of balance time and balance relationships, it's the Not constant easy. fight. It's the constant fight. And I think more people should understand that it is tough. And when you want to be successful at something, you have to sacrifice something. Always. It, ta- it, it takes a lot of mental focus. It takes a lot of physical energy. Like your, your sport is physically demanding, mentally challenging, all those things. My sport, my, my job is not very physical, but but the mental commitment, it's, it's just always there. Absolutely. And, and last question, because I know we got one minute so I can keep my word. Which NFL player would you say most resembles my game from a, from a football to basketball Oh, that's standpoint? a great question. That's a great question. I would say uh, the first guy that popped into my mind would be Chris Godwin. Because Mike Evans is Damian Lillard. You're Chris Godwin, you know, he's 1A, you're 1B. You're, you're the two guys they got to shut down, got to get it done. Um, Chris Godwin is fast, quick, elusive. So I'm going to go Chris Godwin. I like the comparison. I actually almost picked him up with my fantasy. Someone stole him. I took Mike Evans, but now I appreciate that. And I, I think it's just a unique question because there's so many great players out there in all sports who may or may not get the credit they deserve, but they're still elite in their own right. And I, I'm a big fan of him. Chris Godwin's a great player. And CJ McCollum's a great player. And Chris I, Godwin's never gone for 50 on the second end of a back-to-back <laughs> against Chicago. He's never done that. No, but he can get 100, recep- he can get 100 receptions in a season, 1,000 yards, and 12 <laughs> touchdowns. <laughs> But no, I, I appreciate Adam Schaffler joining the podcast for the second time. Best of luck on balancing your time, getting those stories out. And hopefully we'll be seeing a story of OBJ playing soon and Baker signing a lifetime deal with my Cleveland Browns. You, you, you want to give him that lifetime deal right now? You don't want to wait for the season? You're ready to commit to him and get married to him and all those things like that? I'm ready to marry him because I like the talent. I like the upside. I like the fact that he's comfortable with setting up the run with the pass. And I think based on his work ethic, his mentality, this being his fourth year, the sky's the limit. I've already seen the progressions and how much better he is compared to last year. I'm all in on my guy. I'm sending him a jersey this week. He sent me a jersey. We're going to the Super Bowl in the next two years. CJ, I appreciate having me. Good luck to you this season. Good luck to the Browns. And hopefully we get the chance to have our paths crossed. The phone's ringing. I think I'm late for an ESPN radio show, actually. Appreciate you, Adam. Once again, we want to thank our special guest, Adam Schefter, for for coming on to the pull-up pod. Great energy. Uh, A guy who's multifaceted, has a lot of different businesses, a lot of different interests, Uh, not just from an investment standpoint, but from breaking news to being a father, to being an author, to being a husband. And it's always interesting to hear the stories about how we have to try to do better from a time management standpoint, but also understanding the sacrifices that successful people make. There's a lot of hours that go into the success. There's a lot of things that go into um, the workload and there's sacrifice, um, not just in your sport, but in your life. And I, I think it's always cool to hear about how we try to balance it and, and how we always pledge and, and try to be more present consistently because that's something I've worked on for myself as well. But without further ado, it's time for the wine segment. And since I did go to Food and Wine in Aspen, um, which was an amazing time, and I'll talk more about that in two weeks, it was sensational. I want to talk about a wine that I had in Aspen for food and wine. So cue the wine music, please. I went to a, a bunch of seminars, and one of the seminars was read by Ray Isle, um, editor, I think he's editor in chief of Food and Wine. Very, very nice guy. And 
there was a bunch of wines that we tasted through and one of them stood out to me right away. It was a white wine from Canterbury, New Zealand, um, 2016. It's called the Field of Fire and it came from the Pyramid Valley Vineyards. This wine was special. I think it's about a $100 price point depending on which year you get, but it was more bold and light, more dry than sweet and a little bit higher in acidity. It was just so refreshing um, to drink. It was smooth, it was minerals, there was stone, there was honey, there was a little bit of lime uh, and citrus. And the taste was just so refreshing. It was about 11 o'clock a.m. Uh, as I as I sipped this, <laughs> sipped this drink because in Food and Wine and Aspen, seminar started at 10. And the green apple stood out to me and I was just thinking two things. One, this is amazing. Two, I can't wait to go to New Zealand when the borders open back up in two years because of COVID. And three, I think I've fallen in love with Chardonnay. So I want to share this with everyone. There are some great Chardonnays out there and people should begin to explore, especially other countries. Uh, there are websites you can order from and there are different price points that you can enjoy great wines. Um, this is a super dope wine that you can pair with pork, fish, you know, salmon, tuna, uh, whatever the case may be. And if you're vegan, that's perfect because there's vegetarian dishes that go extremely well. Uh, with this Chardonnay and of course poultry, but this is a hundred percent Chardonnay um, and the wineries in Marlboro, New Zealand. So I hope everyone checks that out because that was sensational. Once again, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the pull up pod. I want to thank Adam Schefter. I want to thank the great people at food and wine in Aspen for hosting me, all the chefs that I was able to meet. Uh, thank you for taking the time to take pictures with me, to all the Psalms I was able to meet. Thank you for, for spending time with me and educating me on wine. Shout out to Pink. She invited me to her dinner. It was a great time. Um, we had a sensational meal, learned a little bit about more of her story, her story in the wine business and her brand, Two Wolves. Um, it was just a really, really good time. And as always, be sure you're following the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows and tell a friend to tell a friend. Hit the show up on social at Pull Pod on Twitter and Instagram because we're always posting fresh content all season long. And as the saying goes, don't forget to pull up.